So your title here would be not just owner and founder, but you'd, you'd be the sergeant major. Yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of sergeant major, <laughs> more morale NCO than anything. Morale, there you go. Well, I guess that would be morale NCO. Yeah. We talked about that last week about how how much uh, alcohol or actually whiskey tie, has ties to the to the military throughout military history. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I traded gallons of whiskey for Copenhagen in Iraq. <laughs> it's worth more than gold. Huh. Wow. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Smuggled it over in Listerine bottles. <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. I'd like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you had a great weekend. Please join Mike and I as we raise a glass once again and thank our veterans for serving this great nation. Cheers. We have a great show for you today. Recently, we traveled north to Indianapolis to visit Hotel Tango Distillery. And that's where Travis Barnes, founder of Hotel Tango, started America's first disabled combat veteran distillery in 2014. Travis and his wife Hillary have built a successful company by surrounding themselves with some great people. They like to say they create spirits that are distilled with discipline and are fit to serve. Now the name Hotel Tango comes from the H and the T in the phonetic alphabet. H stands for Hillary and T for Travis. And the military theme doesn't stop there. Their canteen-shaped bottle is labeled to remind you of an MRE. And for those not up on military jargon, that's a meal ready to eat or a military food ration. One thing is for sure, we are drinking some whiskey today. So join us as we meet Travis and his team and taste their craft spirits. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bourbon Road. I'm Jim Shannon. I'm Mike Hyatt. And we are here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And where are we, Mike? Hotel Tango Distillery. We got Travis Barnes. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. It's good to have you. We'd like to get straight to the whiskey. How's that? Outstanding. Yeah. So perfect. we're gonna we're gonna get to your first uh, expression that you brought for us here, and we'll talk a little bit about it and drink it, and then we'll get into your backstory. Sound good? Great. Sounds wonderful. All right. So what do we got in our glass today? So this is our uh, Hotel Tango Reserve. It's our six-year bourbon. Um, this was something that uh, we sourced from Wyoming Whiskey um, a few years ago when it was turning about four years old. It's a weeded bourbon, uh, about a 65-35 uh, mash bill with corn and wheat. Um, it's very, very uh, soft in the beginning. Uh, it get very sweet, I think. Um, but you'll see, you'll definitely see the wheat come through. Um, all right. And well, I'm looking forward to it. Let's go ahead and yeah. let's go ahead and check it out. Great. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Yeah, the nose is uh no what's the proof on this? Oh, this is 90 proof. Okay, 90 proof. Yeah, the nose on it's a little um it's a little it's a little light and a little delicate. I kind of like it. It's mm-hmm. um Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, you're a big fan of Wyoming whiskey, aren't you? I actually am. I it's the, I think it's the weed whiskey and stuff. Or it could be this we're sitting here down beside a a crackling wood fire, it makes it even better. I don't know. But well, it's just not as spicy as you would, you know, from a rye. You get a little uh, floral on it, I think. Absolutely. Uh, on that taste. You can you can get it in the nose a little bit, but in the taste, it very comes yeah. across as that sweetness, that that toasted marshmallow again, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, on the back end, I think it really opens up and it's, it's bright. I mean, it's floral, as you said. Mm-hmm. But it's not bright at all in a green way. I mean, it's very, it's not brittle, as you might say, with a younger mm-hmm. whiskey. This has got some age to it. This is a six-year, you said, right? Yes, sir. I get a little bit of white pepper on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, maybe cloves, you know, that, that baking spice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah, so it's got um, it's got a little bit of toffee to it also. Not too much, but a little bit of toffee to it. You getting any cinnamon, Mike? A little bit, like I said, some of them baking spices and yeah. stuff. I, man, this is a person for me. It's you know, I like sit down in front of my fireplace at my house and a big old fire and just you know, sip the night away with my dog sitting next to me. Absolutely, it's a great supper. Yeah, yeah. yeah one of the things that uh, that 
that makes enjoying bourbon uh, a good thing is a, is a nice fire. And, and we're actually sitting on some comfortable log furniture here in a very rustic room. Uh, tell us a little bit about this building we're in here. Uh, the building was uh, built at the turn of the 20th century. It was built as a carriage house for a funeral funeral par- parlor that sat out front. And uh, the funeral house burned down in the mid-20th century. And the carriage house has remained uh, in use till about 30 years ago. And they boarded it up. And it was when we got it, there was... Uh, no doors, no windows, no plumbing, no electric, uh, and we turned it into our distillery. But originally, it was broken into half. One side was for the stables, uh, where the horses would have been stabled, and the other side was where the did the mechanics work on buggies and the hearse buggy. Wow, that's interesting. So you were telling us about the 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 turnstile or whatever it was that. Yeah, so they had an old turnstile where they would have turned the buggies around, and they told us that the reason they had those was that. Horses don't like to go in reverse to back up with the buggy on it. So they would have unhitched it, turned the buggy around, and then reattached the horses and pulled it back out the same way they came in. Well, it was a lot, a lot more difficult back in that day, wasn't it? You, you couldn't just uh, put her in reverse. And- <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could, but it'd be tough to get her, right. get her to back up. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Travis, uh, your, uh, your distillery is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, Hotel Tango, people are thinking, oh, we're going to a hotel or something. But that's that's not the case here, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about something about you and your background, and then tell us about the Hotel Tango. Yeah, so we are uh, the nation's first disabled veteran-owned combat distillery. Uh, I uh, dropped out of uh, college shortly after 9-11, uh, joined the infantry in the Marine Corps. Uh, I got picked up by First Recon and did three tours with those guys. Uh, came back to Indiana, uh, met my wife, and um, who is a pilot. So one of the first things that we kind of had between us was the phonetic alphabet. Her name's Hillary. And my name's Travis. So it was always Hotel and Tango. Uh, and I was doing this in the backyard and making it and giving kind of a moonshine or a little bit of aged bourbon away uh, to friends and for birthday and Christmas. And folks said, this is really good. You should you should do it, you know, legally. And that's when the law changed in Indiana and we went after it and we're able to uh, start producing in 2014, and that was four years, five years ago now. So, what what got what got you to get the bug about distilling? Were you a beer brewer as well? Yeah, so I was doing that as a hobby, and I really wanted to see one. I built my own still, and I wanted to see if we could actually produce something that uh, turned out palatable and enjoyable. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, after several attempts, we got something that was really nice and. From there, that was kind of the encouragement, along with the laws changing and allowing us to open it as a business. That was kind of the big kick where we thought, make a run of this. You still got that steel over there you show me? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So how do you how do you figure out how to make a steel? I mean, was it Google or or did, did you watch Popcorn Sutton? Or, you know? There's a lot of stuff out there on the Internet. There's a lot of there's I mean, there's a lot of good books out there on, you know, people have been doing this for 5000 years. Right. And, you know, in caves. So. Uh, some modern plumbing. Can so it was cave paintings, right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. Yes, sir. Well, I think, you know, you, you're the American success story through and through, right? You served your country. Um, you came back from war. You didn't let that get you down or anything. It probably taught you a lot, just like your uh, your brand says, to steal with discipline. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, definitely take uh, a lot of the lessons learned from the Marine Corps and uh, time in Iraq applied to our, our business model. Um, and, you know, we're always looking to in, improve the foxhole. We're not, you know, everyone will sit back on, on laurels, but yeah, it's really helped drive the company forward. And um, I think create a, a platoon or a family atmosphere. Wow. Yeah. We had a guest on, it's been a number of episodes ago, but his name's Noah Glanville. He owns Pit Barrel Cooker Company. I don't know if you're familiar with Noah mm-hmm. or not, but he, um, he said that, uh, when you exit the military, particularly a veteran, uh, who's served during wartime, uh, you come back fully prepared. Well, you, you've got some challenges obviously, but you come back fully prepared to be an entrepreneur because the kind of stuff you learn in the military is good equipment for an entrepreneur. So absolutely. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Now you guys recently just did a rebranding. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And your labels, they look like an MRE package. Yes. 
I think that's that's almost awesome. And you each one label is a different color. You got a red, you got an orange, you got a green, a tan, um, and a blue one. And then a dark, I guess you'd call that dark brown, right? Yes, sir. Uh, so we really wanted to focus the brand and, and help tell the story a little bit better, connect my time in the military with uh, a quality craft spirit. And I think the the packaging here really kind of links those two together, specifically the distilled with discipline, which I think our process uh, and the way that we produce our spirits is really what sets, separates us and sets us apart. I love that. So can you talk a little bit about the, the types of disciplines you employ here? Some of the things that you require of your people that that sort of that help you to get to that that end point? Sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I, we, I like to say extreme transparency um, uh, and accountability uh, up and down the, the chain of command that uh, if there's a problem, I'm the problem and that, you know, it's. You know, the buck does stop here, but I also count on our leadership to take that on them and uh, live that every day that figuring it out. And most of the time people step up and knock one out of the park for us. Wow. So, so you don't you don't have a lot of people holding stuff in They're They're saying, hey, we got a problem here and this is what it is and yeah, take an ownership of it. It's expected. Yeah. Good. So your title here would be not just owner and founder, but you'd, you'd be the sergeant major. Yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of sergeant major, <laughs> more morale NCO than anything. Morale, there you go. Well, I guess that would be morale NCO. Yeah. We talked about that last week about how how much uh, alcohol or actually whiskey tie, has ties to the to the military throughout military history. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I traded gallons of whiskey for Copenhagen in Iraq. <laughs> it's worth more than gold. Huh. Wow, that's some nice. That's nice stuff to know right there. I guess so. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Smuggle it over Listerine bottles. <laughs> so let's go back in time a little bit, um, back to when the idea spurred in your mind to start this. Can you tell us a little bit about how that uh, how that blossomed? Yeah, um, I think it was actually on our honeymoon. Okay, um, we were just talking and what if and. I said, what if I started a distillery? And she said, Jesus Christ, focus. You're almost through law school. What are you talking about? A distillery? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, That's not really what she said. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I think it was, you know, she was like, oh, you know, that sounds great. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, you need to follow through and finish. And I did. But at the same time, I think that she knew it. At, at that moment that, you know, the law was probably not going to be the path for me and that I was really going after this. And uh, she went from, uh, I guess, being a barrier of entry to the the biggest fan, you know, and support and still very involved day to day and handles all, all of our, she's our legal counsel now. So right, but, she's a, she's a lawyer. Yes, sir. So did and, you, did you go ahead and finish up and pass the bar? And uh, I didn't pass the bar. Mm -hmm. Uh I passed another bar. Okay. So, <laughs> and then you stopped at the bar. Right. Got and it. I opened this place and that was my focus and, and I really ran with it and um, never looked back. Wow. That's a great story. Really yeah. is. Sometimes it's good not to look back and just look forward. And, and I'm sure you're still looking forward um, about putting up brick houses and absolutely building your brand. Right. Yeah. So we have uh, in five years, we, we started in this facility here uh, in downtown Indianapolis uh, it's about a 3,500 square foot building. We've added another production facility of about uh, 7,000 square feet. And then uh, we've bought a farm, uh, five acres that we uh, will eventually uh, build our Rick house. And I would like to eventually get our entire um, production facility out there as well. Kind of a one-stop shop. Okay. So you, um, you, had that talk with her, you guys to start decided to start this distillery. Uh, how did that process go? I mean, you had to find a still or make yep. a still or yep. whatever. So how did that start? Uh, so uh, being in our last year of law school actually really helped. We had uh, a few of my buddies that came on board early in the company and they were really good researchers and really good at administrative law, which is 
very important to get through the processing to get a, a DSP, a distilled spirits plant license from the federal government, uh, the Tax and Trade Bureau. Uh, so they, we were little honey badgers and we went and dug and dug and knocked on doors and, uh, you know, kept resubmitting paperwork. And, you know, it's, it's funny because there's no fee that comes with the, the actual distilled spirits license from the federal government. There's, it's free. But you essentially have to be operating as a distillery without producing anything before they'll give you the license. Wow. So it's a lot of the cart before the horse thing. Um, so which, you, you have to have a functioning distillery prior to getting issued? At the, the time, they've changed a little bit and, yeah. and the, to, to because they, they understand the lag of, you know, if you're buying a still from Germany, that's what could be a year to 18 months before it actually lands in the U.S. And do you... You know, do you actually need to have it on property before they issue you the license? So I think they've eased up on that. Back then, you had to have an actual serialized, stamped still and all of your other equipment on premise, insured, bonded, ready to go. And I mean, I got to tell you, understanding what a bond is, which is essentially an invisible force field that pays taxes if the place burns down, you know, how to put that in place was just a... Uh, a learning experience uh, wow. when you've never done it and you just got to ask. And Now, did you have any mentors? Anybody in the industry that said, hey, we'll, we'll help you with it? No. 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 You just, you no, not, no one that wanted to not charge an arm and a leg. Right. Uh, now, I will say we've, we've met some very good folks along the way that have uh, become absolute, uh, I would say, partners and assets. Donald Snyder from uh, Whiskey Systems uh, really, I think, <laughs> he was uh, another kind of just out of nowhere person that we, we ran into at a conference and it was early on when he was starting um, and just really got us in line early on taxation, bonding, transfer and bonding, just understanding the, the intricacies within the business that you don't think about when, you know, I was naive at starting out and just thinking, oh, I just want to make whiskey. And like, that's all I ever want to do is be on the still. And holy shit, did that change fast? And I'm rarely, if ever, actually in the the art of making it now. I, I I'm very jealous of the guy you're about to talk to here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So so you really gravitate towards the actual operations. You like that a lot. I do. I uh, so my dad built this thing right here. Uh, these are all Hoosier Fieldstone that we pulled out of the ground. And for those who can't see what he's pointing at, he's talking about the huge stone fireplace that's in the center of this room. And if, if y'all get a chance to come out here and visit, you'll get a chance to see it. It's really something. Yeah. So he's third generation. Uh, so I kind of left the family profession, but I really, really enjoy the art of seeing the product of your labor at the end of the day. And mm -hmm. uh, this is, you know, my version of that um, different than stone, but still enjoyable and, it actually pairs pretty well with the fireplace. Absolutely. I think I'd be in trouble if I if I had this place because I'd sit right here where we're sitting right here. Yeah, the drinking worst, some bourbon. And the worst is uh, old, old elder ladies. They chicken hawk these seats, and you'll yeah. see them fight over it on a Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, I think I told you earlier that these 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 two sofas here, that's a uh, love seat, and then this couch here, were both made by our sponsors of the show. So, awesome. So they're going to love this, that we actually got to sit down on some of their stuff and record an episode. But. These have hosted... These have seen a lot of butts, a lot of butts in these seats. A lot, a lot of whiskey drinking out yes, of these seats. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that though, right, Jim? That's right. Absolutely. So I, I think I'm I'm ready for that next pour. Cool. All right. Let's do it. So this let's just just recap here. We just had the uh the six year old reserve bourbon. It's a ninety proof bourbon uh, that you source from Wyoming whiskey. Yes, sir. And uh now what are we going to? So uh the next is gonna be a two year uh, high rye whiskey uh, that we have contracted with Middle West Spirits out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so this is our recipe uh, that we've uh, worked out, and they've uh, allowed us to use their equipment to produce it with. Okay, so you you provided them with the mash bill, and then you um, you more or less were present for the first distilling run to make Absolutely. sure that they were doing everything the way you wanted it done. Absolutely. And now they're running they're running with it. For yes, you. sir. Okay. And you did that so you could ramp up production size right well it's two two things one it's it is absolutely ramping up production and two it was something that you know we consciously knew that the size of our skill there's only there's only so many hours a day that you can run a mash through 
uh, 150 or a 600 gallon still, these guys had the capacity. We knew we were going to need it. Our only other option at that point was to go and source something that um, from MGP, which MGP has great juice. Uh, we love it. That's, you know, very good stuff. However, they have kind of a, it's, you know, this is what we have, take it or leave it. So a lot of the times we wanted something that was going to be closer to our end expression than jumping from something that might not even be close to something that was ours. No, that's not, you know, that's not all that uncommon nowadays for young distilleries to contract out the production of their mash bill. Mm -hmm. And then as they start to build out their facility and get ready to produce that same mash bill locally, trying to mimic that so they can transition from one to the other. Right. So. And we're doing that now. Uh, eventually, this is a means to an end. Obviously, we would love to take everything in in-house um, sooner than later. But yeah, as you just said, uh, equipment's expensive. Permitting takes time. So it's, it's really growing into the space and while also creating a very good product uh, that, that we own. So let's go ahead and taste this, Jim. Let's taste it. Cool. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Thank you. Well, you can. It, it is a little younger. Yep. You can taste yes, sir. that, but it has a uh, it has a great um, it has great first impression on the tongue. I like that. That's uh, that that is a um, a little bit of a peppery on the side. What do you think? Definitely peppery. Yeah, mm, almost a, that black pepper taste on the sides and on the back end. Yeah, sweetness on the front though. Absolutely. And again, this is ninety proof, so it is. For that that high alcohol content, I think it's for a rye. It's spicy, but it's not overpowering. Now, when you say for a rye, you mean for a high rye bourbon? Correct. Yes, right. sir. I'm, I'm just thinking that's what's giving it that that punch right there, and it's the mouthfeel on this is different than your, absolutely your um, reserve. Yes, sir. I'd almost say this almost drinks like a hundred proof. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Now, Jim's a rye guy. He he loves some rye. I do like rye. I like rye a lot. So you know. In, in bourbon, much like food. I like my food spicy. I like my bourbon spicy, yeah. too. So, uh, Mike, you're a little bit on the sweet side there. You're a sweet guy. I, I love my sweet. I love spicy food, but, you know, I I think the for me, weeded bourbon is the key. I'll drink some rye whiskey with you. There ain't no doubt about that. That's uh, I could see. I wouldn't say that to me this isn't a sipper. This to me, this is you could sip it, but you could also it'd be a good mixer. Absolutely. What about you, Travis? Where do you lean? Spicy or sweet? Uh, I mean, I really do like the spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, the sweet is nice, but if I'm going to drink a bourbon or whiskey, I, I like a little bit of heat on it. Yeah. Um, is that the marine in you? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I think this. I think your two-year bourbon it would stand up great in a cocktail. This yes, sir. Is, this is a good bourbon for a cocktail, and I'm not getting the extreme youth on this that I thought that I might on a two-year product. This no, it's, is it's it, good. It's not green, uh, but yes, it is you can. It is younger, but for about a, a high rye bourbon, I think it stands up very, very well. How do you uh, typically drink your bourbon? Uh, generally straight if I'm sipping, but you know. Highball every now and then? Uh, nah, I mean, ice. Ice. Maybe, if it's hot out. Yeah. Remember right now and around the campfire, no ice. I, I guess my thing on that is some of my friends say, why do you drink your whiskey neat? Why do you not put any ice in it? Or why do you, don't you mix it and stuff? And I'm like, to me, the neat is the way the distiller wanted me to taste it. He's already cut it down. He's proofed it for me. I want to taste the, what he tasted or, or, or her. I want to taste what they tasted. And that's the way they wanted me to taste it. So. No, no. I mean, I agree. That's how I like it. But I think it's different strokes for different folks. And, oh, you know, yeah. I, uh, who am I to tell another man how to drink his whiskey? Well, I mean, you guys are entertaining a lot of visitors here to your facility. And you've got a lot of husband and wives popping in off the interstate, I'm sure. You know, we have got a great demographic. We we. We joke, but it's true. It's 21 to 81, black, white, gay, straight. I mean, we get a great cross-section of people. Um, you get America that comes absolutely. in Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy when you see college kids with you know, grandma and grandpa on in here on a Friday night hanging out across the table from, you know, a completely different group of folks and getting along. And the other, it, it's a microcosm, but, uh, you know, no one's on their phone. We have one TV in here that's usually off, and everybody's in conversation, drinking 
our whiskey. You it's, say it's, usually it's, off. When is that time that it's on for the game? Yeah, I mean, it is, but we're not a sports bar. So it's okay. kind of cool because we get the non-sports folks. And, you know, on, on the Colts day, you know, we'll, people will be busy, but it won't be sports fans. So this is not your typical tasting room of a distillery. This is more of a four to close kind of, uh, I don't know, speakeasy. Yeah, we get we get a great cross section of people from, you know, uh, business folks celebrating you know, a business victory at the end of the week to, you know, reunions and homecomings. And I, you know, I love it. I think it's great to see people in here and not need Wi-Fi or, uh, you know, other distractions that they can sit down and have a drink together and talk things out and be real. And and for those people that are showing up here um, uh, to try out your your spirits. I mean, they're going to have somebody in tow sometimes that needs something with a little bit of mixer with it. You guys have the the ability to mix up, you know, highballs or cocktails. So, I, yeah, I can't speak highly enough uh, of our mixologists and our bar staff. Uh, we create essentially everything from scratch. We've really taken the kind of craft kitchen into the bar scene. Uh, we make all of our own simple syrups, um, our bitters. Um, so you make your own bitters here as well. Yeah, we wow. do shrubs. Uh, we everything's seasonal. Uh, our menu rotates. Actually, just rotated um, on Monday, so we're kind of into the fall winter side of the menu. So you'll see, yeah, more highballs, um, old fashions, just stuff like that. But you know, we will have a few classics that we keep on for everybody. So uh, we realize that you know that not everybody is a, is a bourbon or whiskey person. So. Uh, we have uh, several different selections. We have a gin, a vodka, a rum, and we have uh, some liqueurs. We have a limoncello, an orange cello, and a, and a cherry liqueur that's all very good. And I, you know, I think those stand up very well on on their own on ice as a sipper, or uh, the orange on top of a old fashioned is very good. Um, so yeah, it, it, I trust me, those bartenders will find something you like. So if you're driving down. I-65 or I-70 heading east or west or mm-hmm. north or south, and you're you're sitting there listening to our podcast with your, your spouse, and you're thinking, they ask you, say, hey, we want to stop and taste some bourbon, and you're like, I don't drink bourbon, stop in at this place, and uh, guarantee they'll make you something you like, and you probably take a bottle home with you. Absolutely. And that's one nice thing from the, you know, that we can do here is sell bottles uh, from our tasting room. Uh, we don't do food. Uh, but that's okay because we're in a very kind of cool, eclectic neighborhood where you've got a, many options from high end to good bar food within a block or two. And do some of them deliver here? So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I people mean, are ordering out and having it delivered here. Yes, sir. Well, that's great. You ever have food trucks or events here? Absolutely. Uh, we actually have our event space uh, next door that you can rent out, but we also do things smaller groups in here. Um, we're pretty flexible on those. If we have enough time, we can usually pull off anything. I could oh. even see your your orange cello taking some uh, really good vanilla ice cream, pouring some of that orange cello in there and mixing it up and making like almost a sherbet ice cream. I believe one of our, I swear to God, local ice cream vendors, as we have one of those. I think they did it with our lemon over the summer, right? Doesn't that sound good? Uh, sir, I love some sherbet ice cream. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So we're going to get to try some of uh, some of your other expressions in the second half, and we're going to talk a little bit more about you know your facility here and cool. your production operation, and, and we're going to bring in your head distiller. Absolutely. So Bobby. What do you think? Take a little break here and then come back. We'll finish this up. We'll finish it up, and cheers. Cheers, Let's guys. Cheers. Thank you. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, 
a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. back from our little break and uh we've got a new guest with us we've got the head distiller uh, bob yates welcome hello thank you good to have you on good to be here so we're gonna we're gonna ping you a little bit we're gonna ask about some uh, some technical stuff what you do here and i love it and uh and about the st- distilling equipment and hey, hey, uh, hey before we hold up a minute now before we get all into that technical stuff what do we what do we got in our hands Jim? oh yeah what do we got man so who wants to introduce what we have in the glass right let's, now let's hear what old big bob has to yeah, say i'll let bob take it from here go right ahead all man. right it's our uh straight rye whiskey it's 95 percent rye five percent barley bottled at 100 proof liquid spice right it's it's uh it, it's spicy it's got like some uh some baking spices yeah. notes to it some cinnamon some nutmeggy qualities to it okay well let's taste it and then uh after we taste it a little bit we'll talk a little bit about cool. it perfect all right oh yeah it's candy yeah yeah it has like a it definitely has a perceived sweetness to it yeah. almost <clears throat> yeah on the nose i'm getting a little bit of citrus like an orange is yeah that, yeah absolutely I may have needed the the suggestion to get it, but I could do kind of get it now that you said it. And, and, you know, I have you ever have you ever smelled like um, I'm going to really reach here, Mike, you know, don't don't say cedar. No, I'm not going to say cedar. (laughs) I do get cedar a lot. And and somebody who was who was explaining. Oh, uh, Caleb was explaining that some people get cedar. That's it's in their DNA. It's kind of a it's a it's a memory that you have. Yeah, it's a memory. Uh, from something like if you worked in a horse barn and you've got that cedar clippings and you have that smell and that sensory that you grew up as a kid or something will come back to you when you smell something. Hmm. So what I'm getting is, you know, those uh, incense sticks that you buy that you light and they burn down mm-hmm. when you're in that. But they're not lit yet. So this has got oh, that kind of a nog champa. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. But I'll also admit that I have a very suggestive palate. Okay. If I hear it, I'm like, yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. But I've always said this. I've always said, you know, if somebody says I'm picking a note up and you get it yourself because they suggested it, it's probably there. If somebody said they were getting something and you didn't get it, I don't think they could fool you into saying, yeah, that's yeah. that's pickle juice. I got it. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, right. I, would, I would absolutely agree. If, if you said pickle juice, I'd say, I'm not, not picking that one up. <laughs> I was going to say I had a little smokiness in here, but it's it's actually this fire, the fire I smell. It smells okay. great. All right, I was so, going to say a little cat, but you guys, I, I keep looking up here at the fireplace, and I see I see Fletcher Pickles up here. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, he was our distillery, our first distillery cat. Uh, he tragically passed away uh, coming up on two years, and uh, we've since uh, took a year off, and now we've brought back another uh, cat uh, Virginia Dill. Virginia Dill. I like it. Yeah. And so Fletcher served served well. Absolutely. Yeah. Good good mouser. Yeah. Good mascot. Uh, laid back cat. Came down, did his rounds every day, and would go back and chill out, looking down on his kingdom. Now yeah. most of most our listeners probably don't know, but if you go to a distillery and you're you're inside there, you're going to see a cat. I. I a hundred percent of the time, almost right. Yeah, pretty much all the time. Yeah, you're going to see a cat running around. That's because they have all those grains laying around, and grains come with what? You have some mice. Yeah, and, old buildings, cold weather, yeah. dry grains. You're going to have mice, and it's dual purpose. I mean, he, the resident cat people really love, and uh, also form and function. So, yeah. so Bob, this uh, this 95 rye we're drinking here right now. Yes, sir. Uh, what's the what's the source of this rye? Um, it's a source from MGP. MGP. Okay. Yeah. yeah MGP makes some excellent rise. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Their 95 rye is top of the heap as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it is. 100%. And it, I mean, and it, it, it is good at 100 proof. It's good at 90 proof. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good straight out the barrel. And that, and this is at 100? Yes, sir. Okay. And for our listeners that they're on that fringe, they're a fringe bourbon or whiskey drinker or something, and they're not 
big into the whiskey world. MGP is in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Correct. correct? Right across the river from Kentucky. Correct. So it's still southern close to close to cincinnati right yeah yeah so it was the old seagram's plant where they produced for a long long time um and then midwest grain producers bought it and uh still produce uh a ton of great great products yeah yeah it's kind of surprising how much distilled spirits that people take in are produced in lawrenceburg or southern indiana a lot of corn up there, though. Oh yeah, yes sir. Them, them Hoosiers, they you guys, you guys know how to grow some, grow some corn up here. Thank you. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't right? nothing wrong with it. Yeah, that's that's a working man's business right there. Yes, so that's a, that's a very good right. Now, are you guys actually distilling a rye of your own now, or if for the moment you're just sourcing rye? Or yeah, correct. Uh, just right now, we're sourcing rye. <clears throat> uh, rye is kind of notoriously difficult to deal with in a mash situation uh just it it binds up real real tight um not that we can't handle that or have experience with it it's just you know we're uh, we're kind of knocking the easier things off the docket before we get into the rye okay all right but, but if that's in your future oh yeah 100 yeah. Okay. yeah so you were a brewer before you were a distiller yes sir i've okay. been brewing beer since i was 19 wow okay uh where were you brewing at so when i started when i was when i was 19 i was brewing beer because I couldn't buy it. I moved out of my parents' house. And so I was, to, to bypass the laws, you were brewing beer. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, that's your words, not mine. <laughs> um, I believe in the law. If you make it, you can drink it. So, I, and that's kind of how I felt. So yeah. yeah I, so I started making beer when I was nineteen because I couldn't buy it at the store, and you know, I, I had a, I had an apartment, and I wanted to party with my friends. Um, and then that led to making wine, which led to making beer, or which led to making spirits. I mean. Um, and then I got a job at a local brew pub called 20 Tap. It's okay. in Broad Ripple. Um, they kind of opened up at the cusp of craft beer, at least in Indianapolis. Um, and the person who taught me how to do that work, outside of you know me messing around in my garage, uh, his name's Kevin. And he was by far the best teacher I could have ever wished for. Um, he's an original brewer, one of the first brewers from Indiana. Back in the 90s was when the brew pub started. Um, and he just really laid the foundation for me to be able to go forward and expand my knowledge on beer making, which leads to spirit making and the quality of that. And they're, the processes are the same up until the point where you end up with your distiller's beer, right? Correct. So uh, the, only, the only time they change is once you start stripping out the alcohol. I like to refer to it as <clears throat> it's this because people ask the question a lot, you know, how, has it been difficult going from beer to distilling? And I like to say that it's the same, but the boils in a different place, right? Yeah. We talked about sweet mash versus sour mash of having that sterilization or that uh, hermetic environment for your yeast when you're doing a sweet mash. Um, you know, that, that is beer making, you know, if, if, if you were to put the right grains together, you could carbonate that, cool it down, sell it out of a tap. It's just the boil is in a different place, right? Instead of right. boiling it before you ferment, yeah. now we boil it after we ferment. So and a turn distiller's it into beer would be a bit more sour, wouldn't it? Yes. Okay. So probably not. Unless you're a uh, what, what what's the name of a sour beer? What's it called? A, goose. A goose or a uh, um, uh, yeah. There's a Berliner couple. Berliner Weiss. Berliner Weiss. Yeah. So these are sour beers. So if you like a sour beer, you might like a distiller's uh, beer mash beer, yeah. but probably if not. You, Maybe. It, you know, it, it gets a little t- a little touch and go. And, and are you trying to achieve a little bit higher alcohol content uh, here than you would in a, a beer? Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's all about, it's all about efficiency, especially when you talk about going from you know in our distillery we we do you know twenty barrels, which is around six hundred gallons ish of of distillers beer, and then once that goes through the whole process of turning into usable hearts alcohol to sell into a bottle, it's not not that much, you know. Yeah. In, in in the course of watching it from stage to stage, it's not a lot. Yeah. So what do you end up with? What's the percentage yield out of a, so you, you, you brew how much you brew 20 barrels, 20 barrels, how many barrels 600 of, gallons. How many barrels of uh, distillery uh, white dog do you get? So, um, on usually we're, we're shooting for around eight, 10% okay. ABV. Yeah. Right. So, uh, of pure 100% alcohol coming off of that still, it's only going to be at most 10% of the total volume. Got it. Uh, and then outside of that, 
you have heads, hearts, tails. Right. So the usable portion of that is only 30% of that 10%. Got it. So it's, it's, it's a, uh, you know, when you see it go down the line, the first time it's kind of disheartening. <laughs> it's kind of disheartening. But it's a beautiful thing. It really is. <laughs> so let's switch gears here for a minute, yes, right? Sir. So, so you're brewing beer, you're, uh, you're a beer, beer brewer, I guess. Um, where did, where did you meet this fine fellow Travis at? At my bar. Yeah. And they're drinking beer. In, in they're drinking beer. Not Believe my not. beer. Not my yeah. beer. Not your beer. No, I, and that was kind of the, that was my introduction to Travis is why aren't you drinking my beer? Cause he was with a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Um, who does drink my beer when I was, when I, when I used to work there. Yeah. And, then, and then Travis is like, well, you're not drinking my whiskey. So <laughs> something, of, something of the sort, <laughs> something of the sort. Yeah. Um, so Travis, how do you, how do you get Bob here to come work for you? Man. Uh, I, I think that we were very lucky. It was a lot of timing. Uh, I think that Bob was looking for a little bit more uh, freedom of expression and we were growing and we wanted to, have somebody that could take on the role of uh, kind of the driving force of that part of the company, the, the creative expression part, while still maintaining the process and the distilled with discipline that the procedures and uh, are being followed. And Bob is a rule master, which is great when you want to have quality and consistency uh, as part of the recipe. I thought it was because you, you liked him because he broke the law, too. <laughs> Are you sure you're not the cops? <laughs> you keep talking about it all the time. But. No, no, no. <laughs> I actually was thinking back to when I was in the uh, when I was in the Army and stuff, and when I first joined uh, in the barracks, they had these beer machines. And when I first came in, you had a pay window. So you'd go up to the window, um, and you would scream out your Social Security number in front of 500 people. <laughs> And then they would count money out to you, your money out to you. Yep. And then I would take that money and I would go to the bank and I'd be like, I need six rolls of quarters, please. And Freddie would just look at me like, why is this guy getting six rolls of quarters? So I take those six rolls of quarters, go back to the barracks and they had a beer machine down in the morale room. And I would sit there and just shove quarters in that thing at 50 cents at a time for beers and just kept pressing, pressing <laughs> those beers. And I would get myself a case of beer and go up to my barracks room or we'd go up to the roof of the barracks and sit out there with the hangs, legs hanging over four stories and sit there and drink beer for 50 cents a pop. So my question is, what beer were you getting for 50 cents a pop that was that you were getting a full case of at one can at a time? Well, it's on a military base, so things are going to be a little bit cheaper. Right. Um, we're going we're to get into that about you guys here in yeah. a second. Um, it, it was Budweiser, Miller Lite, Coors, Coors Light, and stuff like that on Pre-craft. the military base. Pre, it, uh, well, wait, this is back in 91, 92, 93. So those were the only options. You it had a Bud and a Miller. Yeah. And that yeah. was it. If I tell you what, if they had had a five dollar bourbon that would have shot out of that thing, I'd have drank that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where are you guys? Uh, you got some other expressions here. We're drinking this rye. We're gonna move on to that gin. Yeah, we can. I just want to say about the rye. This is this is complex. This is a good rye, and uh, you picked you picked some good barrels here. Thank you. So so I'm assuming you picked a number of barrels and then you blended this rye from those barrels. Yes, Correct. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Again. I really got to say how much we rely on Bobby for these things. I mean, a lot of it is anecdotal, but I mean, you can stand around and, and what if around a few barrels of, is this the right one or is that lot the right one? And uh, having someone that you can count on that can yeah. pull out some of these notes and uh, understand what happens when you do from one barrel to 12 barrels, how that complexity changes is is really hard to kind of forecast. And he does a great job for us. So did, did you purchase and blend um the entire thing at once or do you do it on demand kind of i guess well <clears throat> the first portion of of rye that we got when we first introduced it into our portfolio was uh, a finite number so that was uh its own specific blend of nine i want to say it was nine barrels that okay. we first blended decent sized batch yeah yeah it was yeah. um and so now we are kind of meeting that to sensory okay analysis got it mm -hmm. got it perfect so yeah well, job well done that's a good rye thank, thank you, you. I, I really appreciate that thank you let's move on to that jam uh, i'm ready yes sir so when we first got started um as when 
initially. Um, and again, this is back in the, we were just robbing Peter to pay Paul days to stay alive. Uh, we started with three clears. Our rum and vodka were, were the first things we really started to produce here. And then our gin was really the first kind of jump into something that wasn't a straight distillation, but that there was a little bit more nuance. A little more craft in. too, right? Absolutely. Uh, and gin um, is a real beast uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, but quality and consistency are the two big things that can get out of whack real quick. Uh, so this gin is going to be more of an American style, much more citrus forward than uh, a, a Tangeray or a London dry style. Okay. All right. So this is made with your with your rye mash bill? It's, it's, it is just corn. Just corn. So just this corn. is 100% yeah. corn. 100% corn. So this corn. is a corn whiskey that's distilled to a high proof. I would, I would not, I mean, just for clarification's sake, I would say it would be more of a uh, a, a vodka, a grain neutral spirit distilled yes. from corn more so than it would Got be it. A, a whiskey mash. But um, it, it turns out the same. It's a high proof all corn mash that um, we take the distillate from. We, um, we steep in juniper, star anise seed, lemon, orange, and angelica root. Okay. Um, Is it lemon verbana? No, it's no, lemon peels. It, lemon peel itself. Yeah. Okay. Lemon, yeah. yeah. Lemon that's and a, orange peels. That's what I was getting on that nose was uh, juniper, I think. Yeah. So the, the, you juniper. could say that this is. Uh, um, so uh, still predominantly juniper is going to yes. be the, the highest percentage right. of uh, botanicals within it. Correct. That's what makes it gin. But I think that uh, our our mix of the citrus, namely the, the orange and the lemon peel, is really what kind of brings out that softness. It's not so overpowering that you, it tastes like you're drinking a Christmas tree. This is great for somebody that's either a gin connoisseur or somebody that's never had gin or afraid of gin because they're like, that's just, that's, that's like a, that's a drinker's drink mm -hmm. spirit. But uh, actually uh, across the board, uh, folks love this. Yeah. So it is, it, I'm, I'm getting a, I'm getting a great nose on it. It's light and sweet. So we're drinking gin straight here, fellas. Yeah. So. And it's at 90 proof. Yep. So yep. it's, It'll get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mostly juniper, but it is backed up with that citrus. And that citrus doesn't come off as, you know, after it's been, you know, um, stripped from the alcohol it, into the alcohol and then distilled out. It's not tart or sharp. It is very much so like the on the breathe out. On this the is exhale. definitely different. This is different than, you know. So you guys are not doing any chill filtering, right? Mm -mm. No. Yeah, because I can tell. Yeah. I could tell. I mean, there's there's a creaminess to this. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. a there, butteriness yeah. to Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Jim, if you would have said, I, I can't cedar in this, I would have been like, yep, I get it. Yep. Got <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. You get, you get <laughs> juniper, right? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. get juniper. Yeah. I, I, actually, this is pretty dang good. Yeah. yeah. It, it, again, it's straight. something that's, uh, you know, yeah. as our first kind of delve into gin, uh, I, f I think we really did a good job on this one. So you're steeping and you've got a gin basket. Correct. So you're, you're really hitting this twice with those botanicals. Yeah. The gin, the gin basket doesn't lend a lot as far as like slap you in the face flavor or aroma, uh -huh. uh, but it does add some nuance. Um, and so you can shove grapefruit or we, at one point we shoved grapefruit and rosemary just to, as a little small test in our gin basket. Um, and it really, you know, just a little bit goes a long way yeah. and it adds a lot of depth and nuance. So, um, Bob, I, how long you been here? I think that is, it's over two years. Yeah. I didn't start off as the head distiller. I started off, um, just juice and lemons, juice and lemons, juicing lemons, the lemon juicer guy. Yeah. It was me. Okay. Um, Moving on up. Yeah. Moving on and up. then, yeah, it was, I, I started here when I was still running the small brewery that I was running. Okay. Um, and then one thing led to another. And I, I kept saying, Hey guys, I would, I'd love to come and make some booze for you. You were looking for, you're looking for that promotion. Uh, always. Aren't we all? Well, I tell always. you what, don't, Certainly. don't change this. I'm looking leave for it right, don't, Leave it right where it is. Because this is that. really good. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. Not, I don't know. I know that it is a trend uh, in other countries. I don't know a lot of people that drink gin just straight or neat, but- this one you could do. Like, this for one sure. you can do. So I've got a couple of gins that I really like. I really, I don't know if you had the Castle and Key gin. Mm -hmm. yep. Delicious gin. Tasty. But different than this. Yes. Absolutely. They're very different, but they're both 
equally good, I think. This, Thank you. You did a good job that. here. Thank you. Yeah. Are we going to move on to the next one? Yes. What do we, what do we got? This is Travis's favorite. Oh, is it really? Bobby Stoppel. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Too much coffee, right? All yeah, right. so this has been really fun. Uh, it's it's a chair liqueur. Um, again, this is born. Uh, a lot of our stuff comes out of the tasting room. Uh, that our staff, you know, wants to be able to put something on the menu, but there's not. There wasn't something in our in our current lineup that they could use, um, and they're pretty creative. So when they asked to have something with a little bit more of a tart. Um, background on it uh we thought well let's do something with a cherry most uh cherries uh that you see in a bar are going to be this the super sweet mm-hmm. kind of uh luxardo uh and super expensive uh we were able to find some places up in traverse city michigan um that has some very good cherry farms how'd you guys go up there or? uh well we've my sister and i actually have family up there so we're very familiar with that area been going up there since we were kids beautiful if you haven't been up there it's an absolutely beautiful area right and kind of the one thing that they have up there with those cherries in northern michigan uh their short growth season is they don't get as big and they're really tart Uh, and when i say tart they're not sour they're still sweet but just not so almost uh that syrupy kind of sweet sweet uh, from some of the uh, Italian cherries. Yeah. So uh, we got this and I'll let Bob kind of tell you about the mix. And so uh, it is a, it is actually a whiskey based liqueur. Okay. Um, so, it, well, bourbon, should I say? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so are you starting with your um, two year, your two year bourbon here? Yes. So this is an aged bourbon. Correct. That is then enhanced with cherries. Yes. So it mm-hmm. is, it starts off with uh, a blend of our, two-year bourbon and some gray neutral spirit just to make sure that the ABV is up where we want it. It's bottled at uh, 56 proof, 28%. Okay. Um, uh, so it is a blend of gray neutral spirit, our two-year bourbon, and Montmorency cherry juice with a little bit of lemon and vanilla just for some depth. Okay. But it is very simple, very few ingredients, and very, very good. My God, this is like drinking your next door neighbor's uh, baked cherry pie. It is, yeah, it's it that is that bourbon. Maybe give oh it that, gosh. that crust mm-hmm. of it, and then that cherry kicks in. I mean, it is it is tart. Yeah. It is sweet. You know, because being low ABV, you don't get a lot of the bite from the alcohol as far as it being a, kind of the back of the palate. Yeah. Um, but you still get some ump from it being whiskey or from it being bourbon. I'd say hey, this is pretty sexy. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I love it. Uh, is yeah. it is it wrong to say that there's a little bit of tobacco to this? I'd say a little bit of leather, a little mm-hmm. bit leather? of tobacco. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Wow, That's, I think that comes from the skin of the cherry yeah. plus the bourbon plus the barrel and smoke. Right. That is so interesting. I could serve this at Thanksgiving dinner. It, say, it truly is. Where's the pumpkin pie or cherry pie at? And like you're drinking it right yep. here. <laughs> it. I tell you, if you want a cherry liqueur that's not overly sweet and just has a just has an amazing depth of flavor yeah on ice this is one cube of ice on this and just let it melt that's honestly this is what i'm going to kick on right now is I'm, I'm i'm amazed i can't get over the tobacco in this so yeah from i guess i'm picking up tobacco but yeah i mean i'm glad you said that because i i've been telling people when they ask they're like what is that extra and i'm like ah, it's just got this little funk or this little kind of little little stank on the end of it that you're like it's nice but yeah. it's kind of uh it's red man yeah it is it is yeah <laughs> let's, not, let's not turn people off to it <laughs> no but it's in, in a, a good, way. good way in a good way i'd almost i i still taste that like good baked crust on it almost in this right here it just mm-hmm. to me that that brown buttered you know caramely delicious top you know and that deep crust of your of an apple pie or a or cherry pie being this right here and it's a little bit thicker yeah and mm-hmm. if you put it in the freezer it'll thicken up a little bit more it won't freeze but it is so good in the summer i mean it, it kind of goes all year round i mean yeah it can go good as a after dinner aperitif yeah uh in the winter time or as a crushed ice on the front porch in the summertime I yeah. think our wives will beat us if we don't bring home some of this. I think right I got to take one. Home. Yeah. 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 
man, this is some amazing stuff. Okay, so you have some other flavored liqueurs that you make here. Can you tell us a little bit about those? <clears throat> we have a lemon and orange cello. So lemon cello being the kind of classic Italian liqueur. Uh-huh. Uh, we bottle ours at a higher proof than what you see usually. It's, it's at 70 proof. Um, and then the orange liqueur was brought in just for a little bit of flair. Okay. Um, they're, they are made the same, just different citruses. Right. And, and when you get, when you get people coming into your tasting bar here or into your, 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 mm-hmm. uh, bar in the evening times, I mean, which of those is kind of, are they drawn to the most and what kind of, uh, what kind of, uh, drinks are they ordering with those? I would say that people, uh, gravitate towards the limoncello. Okay. And then say, well, now I'm going to try the orange. Okay. Yeah. I think um, lemon's probably something they're they've either come across or or more familiar with. Yeah. Um, as and they're a just starter. doing that on ice, just drinking that on ice, or so our limoncello uh, we have on ice, uh, but we also have it as uh, I would say both in on that stands on its own in cocktails and as a topper uh, mm. or mixer for other ones. Okay, so we kind of use it in three different phases. You said a, a creamery here or ice cream company here is making using your uh, yeah your products. Yeah, we've got several local partnerships. Um, Circles, what? Circles Ice Cream. Yeah. Okay. Seems what are, what are they making out of it? Um, his name's Wes. Wes Deboy. He has like the best name I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Wes Deboy is his name, <laughs> um, and he makes so many. I mean, he. I think that he's used every one of our uh, spirits for his ice creams. Mm-hmm. He makes a bourbon apple pie. He makes lemon blueberry with our limoncello he he's just all over the place yeah very uh, heavy support i guess as long as you start low, less than what is it one and a half percent alcohol you're mm-hmm. okay is yep. that what it is yeah yep. Yep. i don't know what happens with ice cream making it could you know the same way that heating it cooling it seep does, over a little yeah, bit yeah. he had some rum raisin too i think he might yeah. have yeah. he's he's awesome and mm-hmm. ice cream's good now what states can our listeners find your product in so uh, we're distributed in uh, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. Uh, we're entering Wisconsin, Texas. Uh, and then we kind of count the United States military as our other big market. So we're in all branches. Uh, we're in 75 bases throughout the United States from Maine, uh, sold all the way up in Hawaii. Yeah. And you said you're going to be going up to Kodiak pretty soon here too, right? Yeah, we just got a really good, we had a great meeting uh, with the Coast Guard last week. Uh, we're hoping to get an expansion to Kodiak uh, in the spring, and yeah, we'd love to go up and do some bottle signings and tastings with those guys, and uh, you know, hopefully get to hang out. And we love to uh, support vets, and when we go out and do meet and greets, it's it's always fun to hang out and party with the guys a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've got some things happening in your future. You've got some plans. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what the next five years look like for Hotel Tango? Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, one is uh, really starting to bring some of those uh, barrel production bourbon stuff in-house. Uh, I really like to expand our uh, capacity to store bourbon barrels out at our farm. So another big Rick house is definitely in our future. And, uh, we're going to outgrow our current production space, and I think if we could put another big barn out at the farm and kind of a one-stop shop uh, where folks can come and actually see the entire process from from grain to glass, uh, that's what hopefully in the next five years, that's that's the goal. That's and, pretty And exciting. continue to grow, and uh, we'd love to go Oconus, uh, so outside continental United States with the United States military. Uh, that's another big goal we would like. And. Uh, honestly, just keep growing, uh, saturate and push out through the Midwest and, you know, people just keep asking for it and wherever they're asking, that's where we want to go next. Right. So where can our listeners find you guys on social media? Uh, they can find us at, at Hotel Tango Distillery. Okay. And you've got a website as well. Yes. Uh, at, uh, it's hoteltangowhiskey.com. Okay, great. So guys, we really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. We really enjoyed drinking your bourbon and your whiskeys and your liqueurs. They're all very good. You've got quite a craft here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you guys so much. I guess we'd like to end it with a like, thing enough. Thank all of our veterans out there. Travis, thank you for your service. And uh, um, thank thank you, sister, for her service. And uh, we'd like to thank all of our veterans out there this time of year. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Happy Veterans Day. Um, hope to get, hope you guys are always welcome to come on in. Uh, I'm generally here day to day. So if, if you're a vet and you're listening and you're stopping in, uh, just let me know and I'll come over and have a drink with you. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm.
appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Bourbon Road. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, we would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all the Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions, and if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.